like that. You want to try that. Everybody, welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all have had a nice, calm, relaxing Memorial Day weekend. Have a nice little three-day weekend. We are back at work. Hope everything's going good. Yeah, just, just reiterate that. We'll just reiterate that. But, uh... Before we get into today's show, which I promise is going to be a damn good one. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait for this one. Uh, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show one Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. And a reminder, you can catch all our blog posts or links to shows and different media outlets on all those different social media accounts. So make sure you follow all of those. And you can just go to the LoganBlackmanShow.com and go into the blog section, video section, podcast section. You can see all the stuff on there as well. Again, the LoganBlackmanShow.com. And then finally, and the most important thing is make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. If you're listening right now, make sure you are subscribed even if you think you are, but you might not 100% be sure. Might as well just go double check. And while you're there, make sure to leave a rating out of five stars. It can be a one-star rating or a five-star rating. It doesn't really matter to me just as long as you leave a description down below. And when I say that, I'm kind of halfway lying because of course I would love a five-star rating. But if you don't feel the show is up to snuff, with the other things you rate as five stars, and you feel like it's a one through four star rating, just as long as you leave a description down below, I can accept it to a certain extent. Because I know not everything can be perfect. Though this show is as close to perfect as it could be, it's not It's not going to be perfect. Just like my predictions. So I, I try to follow a lot of different sports out there. My main sports, that I, like my two favorite sports. Out of all the sports, and some people may know this, I'm sure listening to the show as long as some people have, or just talking to me, might be well aware my two favorite sports are football and football, which is football and soccer. We got football americano, and we got football. I love watching soccer. I played soccer. If we're talking about the longest sports I've played, I would probably, like, competitively, competitively, like actual soccer, like actual sport. Because, you know, I played flag football when I was a kid, but that doesn't really count as real football, does it? I don't know if you'd necessarily count that or not. Because I started playing tackle football in fifth grade. That was the first year I played tackle football because we had JYF. Played that from fifth grade all the way to my year to all the way till my sophomore year of college. And soccer, I played from first grade all the way to my senior year of high school. And I still play soccer every now and again to this day. It's harder to get people in, in into football. It's weird. It's really weird to get people like get a game of football organized. Soccer, I, I don't know why. It just feels like you can get a game of soccer organized a lot quicker. Maybe that's just the group of people I hang around with, but it's hard to get a game of football. I, I, now, I say that, but I also... <laughs> I don't remember the last time anybody's really tried to get a game of football put together. But those are my two favorite sports. And as you've listened to the show, you've gone on the YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is pretty much dedicated to football and soccer. And when you look at my YouTube channel, the main thing we focus on is the United States men's national team. We've covered two gold cups in the past three or four years or however. However, we started doing the gold cup preview videos when I was at UNI, and we kept doing them until last year's gold cup. And we might do something here again. We might do something here again for the gold cup. The world cup was a little bit different 
That was a little bit different time, but we might do something for the Gold Cup. I would assume we would, so stay tuned for that. So, Which is why, again, to make sure you subscribe to the Logan Blyman Show YouTube channel. But we try to make predictions. We in those brought in those things. We come out and do like, oh, here's the lineup predictions. Here's our score predictions. Here's why this should happen. Here's this, that, and the other. We did the same thing for the World Cup. We did the tw- or not the yeah. We did the 2018 World Cup. We got France correct. We did a World Cup prediction on this show, which we posted on Instagram and Twitter. And again, follow those social media accounts. And we had Argentina winning. So we have gotten the past two World Cups right. We've gotten the past two World Cups right. Gold Cups were won for the last two. Wait, no. I think we might be... Did I say the United States would win in Greg Berhalter's first Gold Cup? Because I think I said Mexico would win last year's. I think I said Mexico would win last year's. I could be completely wrong. Or 2021. 2021, sorry. I think I said that, right? I'll have to go back to the YouTube channel. I haven't checked the YouTube channel in a while. (laughs) In a while. But we try to come up with these. And before the season starts, we don't make videos for this. We try to go through the biggest, most expensive league in the world. And that's the Premier League. We do MLS, we do Premier League. Those are the two main leagues people focus on here, especially yours truly. I grew up watching Manchester United play every weekend. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, when he was at Man United with Wayne Rooney, Carlos Tevez, all those guys, it was awesome. Even when Ronaldo left, they go to a Champions League final against Barcelona. They lost the game 3-1, but it was still a cool scene there. My first ever Manchester United jersey was that white jersey that they wore against Barcelona in the 2011 Champions League final, 2010-11 Champions League final. Or at Wembley. I believe it was at Wembley. Because they lost to them the year before in Ronaldo's last season at Manchester United. But they also wore white in that game. And then obviously the year before that, Manchester United uh, beat Chelsea in the Champions League final on penalties. John Terry obviously slipped. And there's, there was an Inter Milan Champions League final in there as well. But, you know, I digress. So we, we try to be as accurate as possible when coming up with Dix. We do the NFL season preview as well. We go through every single game and try to go like, this is what's going to happen. But like I said at the beginning, none of those are going to be 100% right. Like we did a mock draft. Like a lot of this show is dedicated to trying to be as accurate as possible. But I am human. I'm going to overthink things, which is just a genetic trait that's been passed down from my mom from generations. It's an awesome trait to have, especially when you're trying to predict things because you you should just go with your gut initially. But then you're like, oh, man, what if this happened? What if this happened? So this Premier League predictions, I don't, they're not great. They're not great. But I can tell you we got one right. We got one right, and that was Manchester City finishing top of the league. Now, it was not that, it didn't look as insanely likely as it does now <laughs> with Manchester City winning the league by a fairly decent margin, winning the league by five points. But it didn't look like that at the start. And they played their backups the last however many games of the season. The last three games of the season, they pretty much played their backups. Came out of that with one win, one draw, and one loss. Like, Manchester City are on pace for the treble right now, but this is not one of Manchester City's best teams across the recent years. That you thought, anyways. Erling Holland was banging in all the goals, but the team looked a little shaky at times. They were chopping and changing formations. Rico Lewis was coming in defensive midfield. They play like a 5-2-3-2 formation or something like that, or 5-2-4-1 formation. Like, they ran some insane formations. They were chopping and changing literally everything. And Arsenal were on top of the league, for what was it, 200 something days. The most out of any team ever to lose the Premier League. And they lost at the end of the season. They completely bottled, completely capitulated the latter parts of the season against teams that they should never lose to. For a team that should be, or that, not I'm not saying at the start of the season, but for a team that was on top of the league for that long, you cannot 
lose to teams like Southampton and get battered three nothing at home. And I grant, granted, Brighton made Europe. Brighton came in sixth. They finished in the Europa League places. But you cannot again as a title team, a team that is on top of the league for an insane amount of time, insane amount of days, that had a really good amount of points around Christmas, that no other team with this much points had ever lost the Premier League at this point in the season. And you lose 3-0 to Brighton. Brighton, again, finished sixth, solid team. But you cannot lose that game. You cannot lose that game. It does not matter how good you are or how good Brighton is. As a team that has that aspiration, you cannot lose that game. And they basically just handed Manchester City the league. And now, second place, we had Liverpool. Liverpool, until later in the season, sucked the entire year. They were awful pretty much the entire season. And they ended up finishing fifth in the league. That had to do with a lot of late season surge that they complete that like Arsenal to a certain extent, but they started off strong towards that latter half of the season, and the last few games of the year just completely fell off. Like they were like, oh, we're gonna challenge for Europe, we're gonna go into Europe, we're gonna go into Europe, the Champions League places. And then the last few games of the season, last two draws. You draw with Southampton, who are dead smack at the bottom of the Premier League, who have been relegated for the past like two, three weeks. And you draw them 4-4 the last day of the season. That cannot happen. <laughs> that cannot happen. Now, it was already pretty much locked up at that point because Manchester United, all they needed to do was get a result against Chelsea, and they beat them 4-1. They ended up beating Fulham on the last day of the season. So that game against Chelsea was null and void, pretty much. Because beating Fulham on the last day of season 2-1, even if they lost to Chelsea or only drew against Chelsea, they were, I think, well, actually, I only think they needed to draw one of their last few games of the season. I don't even think they needed to do that. But... It was a really, really weird season for Liverpool, and now they're in the Europa League with a lot of their best players, and a part of the the arguably the greatest run in Liverpool's history in regards to the Premier League status. They got their first Premier League title in the COVID year, dominated the league. Manchester City fell off completely because they were the, their entire last season. They just spent it trying to hold off Liverpool, and Liverpool just completely destroyed the league and. During the COVID season. I think they won the league in like freaking February. February and March. Like it was ridiculously early in the season. <laughs> for them to win the league. So a lot of their players they have like Sala. Like Allison, Like Van Dyke, Are all getting older. And now they're going to have to play in the Europa League this next season. This is not where they thought they'd be. I had them finishing second. They finished in fifth. Third place we have Tottenham. Uh, Again. Ass. They fired Antonio Conte. I don't know if they've announced anybody that's coming in permanently as their manager right now. I could be completely wrong because Mauricio Pochettino just took the Chelsea job, their former manager. Who is, who is Tottenham's next manager? I'm com- have they have they now? Oh, Julian Nagelsmann has been has been linked with the job. Spurs insider, some insider saying phenomenal Tottenham manager target was Chelsea's first choice, not Pochettino. Julian Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann, of course, got fired from Bayern Munich because they thought their season was on the line. They ended up winning the league, but almost choked it away because Borussia Dortmund. So they lost to RB Leipzig the second to last game week of the year. Dortmund won, so that put Dortmund on top of the league. So all Dortmund needed to do was pretty much not lose, and they were going to be Bundesliga champions. I, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. I think they needed to win. They needed a result from Mainz against Bayern Munich. And then they needed a, a win against Cologne. I think it was the last game of the season. They, it was Cologne played either Munich or Dortmund, and Mainz played the other team. I can't remember what the order was. I think Mainz played Borussia Dortmund. 
So that firing Julian Nagelsmann, who I believe when they got him from RB Leipzig, they paid like a transfer fee for Nagelsmann to come over to Bayern Munich. And they fired him like midway through this season, brought in Thomas Tuchel, who got fired from Chelsea. And then now we've got all this... Uh, and Bayern Munich just fired their top, their uh, their front office people. Oliver Kahn just got fired. I can't remember who the other guy was, but they fired them too. Even after winning the the same the same day, they won the Bundesliga. Their top people got fired because Bayern Munich standard. And this is like I think this is a le- their eleventh straight title. I think this is eleventh straight title. Their standard is not almost bottling the league the second to last game of the week of the season. You might be losing Joshua Kimmich. There's been talks of them bringing in Victor Osterman from Napoli because his wife, who I believe is German, wants to move back to Germany. And Victor Osterman obviously started his career with Wolfsburg before going to Lille and then going to Napoli before winning the league with Napoli. But Julian Nagelsmann, that'd be a fun signing. That'd be a fun signing. But they did not come anywhere close to third place. Coming in eighth, which again, I say that's only five places back. Only five places back. But when you're a team like Tottenham, who's considered one of the traditional big six in English football, you cannot come in eighth in the league, especially with the way they did. Especially with the way they did. Like, if, if it weren't for Harry Kane, who scored 30 goals this season, the second time I believe he's done that in his career, if he, did, if he didn't score 30 goals, Lord knows where this team would be. Like, you look at Erling Holland scoring 36 goals, and arguably, arguably, you could say Harry Kane's season was better, even though he scored six less goals than Erling Holland. Like, he's doing it with Spurs. Like, Hyungmin's son had a down year to his standards. Dejan Kulisewski, love him, Swedish brother, had a down year this year. Like, almost everybody on Spurs had a down year. Hugo Lloris got benched for, I believe, Fraser Forster. Foster. <laughs> like, what, what the hell's happened? He's leaving at the end of the year. There's talks with them bringing in David Rea. There's talks with that about, about them bringing in Jordan Pickford, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But, yeah, if it weren't for Harry Kane, Lord knows where Tottenham would have been. Lord knows where Tottenham would have been. Fourth place, we had Arsenal. I already talked about them. One of the more exciting teams this season with a lot of very young players. Just looked burnt out at the end of the season. That was kind of their main issue. So, yes, did they bottle the league? Yes, of course. You cannot lead for that many days and then lose the league. I understand City is Manchester I know they're City. I know they've got the best manager. They got a lot of, they got a lot of depth. A lot of depth. But when you're that on top for that long, you cannot afford to lose the league, especially losing the teams that you should, that we mentioned before and not getting results against teams you should have gotten results against. But they're so young. And again, they don't have that depth that you need to sustain to sustain a title charge long-term, which is why they ended up falling apart at the end. Soccer looked burnt out at the end of the season. Losing Saliba, not having depth behind Saliba was massive. Rob Holding is not up to that standard for a team that's challenging for the Premier League. Rob Holding is down with the team that was the past however many years. That's Rob Holding. No offense to Rob Holding whatsoever, but he's not a Premier League winning center, starting center back. And obviously he wasn't starting when Saliba was healthy, but then Tomiyasu being out as well, that didn't help anything. So it was just a lack of depth. So we'll see how they recruit this summer. There's obviously talks about them bringing in Declan Rice. With Xhaka, he's leaving. Declan Rice would be a perfect replacement. Which would be insane if Declan Rice ended up going to Arsenal. Because for the past however many years, it's been constantly linked with Manchester United and Chelsea. For a while, it seemed like he was destined to be up at Manchester United. But that's looking less and less likely. And obviously, he grew up in the Chelsea system. I believe he's a Chelsea fan. So, 
Maybe he goes wherever Mason Mount goes because Manchester United are heavily recruiting Mason Mount. They're obviously pushing for Mason Mount. So maybe he'll follow him up there. But if he wants to stay in London, Arsenal will make a lot of sense. Uh, Martin Odegaard, awesome. I remember when he first got signed by Real Madrid. And the dude's like, he's like 22 years old, but it feels like he's 30 because he's been around for so long. He might even be 21. He's a young dude. He's the captain of Arsenal. He was awesome this season. Had a great season. They're going to need to figure out the striker spot as well. Jesus started the season off hot, but then kind of teetered off toward the end because I don't think he's a natural, natural, natural goal-scoring number nine. He played off the wing very well for Manchester City. He plays a, a right winger, but it didn't really work out for him long-term as Arsenal's main, main guy. We had Odegaard scoring 15 goals. We had Martinelli scoring 15 goals. We had Saka scoring 14 goals. So the goals were spread out fairly evenly. And I'm pretty sure Martin Odegaard scored the most goals by a Premier League midfielder of all time behind Dele Alli. Because I've seen some misconceptions about the Dele Alli situation, who has completely fallen off a cliff <laughs> since doing that with Tottenham. Because people are starting to claim he was a second striker more than a number 10, which is it's apples and oranges. It, it doesn't really matter. He was listed as a midfielder. He wasn't listed as a forward. It doesn't matter if he was – you could go wherever you want with that. You can list him wherever you want, but that dude was awesome in his – I call it prime, but would you really would you, would you really call it a prime? I don't know. I don't know. He's not even 30 yet, but we were talking about – man, I don't even think Everton would take him back. His lone spell at Besiktas has been a dumpster fire, and that's putting it lightly. But Arsenal – I had them finishing fourth, ended up finishing second. And then Man United, we had them finishing fifth. They finished fifth last season. I wasn't so I, I don't remember when exactly this was. Because this might have been before even Casemiro was brought in. It was just a, like, they didn't get rid of the dead wood that you're trying to get rid of. It was really hard for them to move on from different people. I didn't know how Christian Eriksen would be. Again, I don't know when, when this got posted versus when players got signed. Because Casemiro wasn't there as a start at the start of the season. I know Christian Eriksen was because he started the first game of the year for Manchester United. He started as the striker. I didn't know, I didn't know what Ronaldo's plan was. I never really had 100% faith with uh, Anthony Martial. Still don't because he can't stay healthy. He just got ruled out of the FA Cup final. So I wouldn't be too upset if he was just gone. I remember when I was in high school and he got signed from Monaco. It was a very exciting time. But... He's got the talent, but he's never actually really lived anywhere close to what was expected. He has a Ballon d'Or clause in his contract. He ain't been nowhere close to a Ballon d'Or. Nowhere close. Apart from playing people that have been playing with people on Manchester United in France that have been nominated for a Ballon d'Or, like Cristiano Ronaldo is probably the closest he's going to get to a Ballon d'Or. But the start of the season, especially after the loss to Brentford, like, if you would have told me how good of a season they would have had after that, especially when you look at the fact they lost <laughs> to Man City 6-3, they lost to Liverpool 7-0, and they had the whole Ronaldo situation with him doing the interview with Pierce Morgan and then obviously getting released from the club, and then they get Voot Van Horst in the offseason, or in the transfer market. They get Marcel Sebitzer in the in the transfer market. They try to get Joao Felix. They try to get Cody Gakpo. They get either one of them, both going to Chelsea and Liverpool. But Marcus Rashford looked awesome this year. Bruno Fernandes was awesome this year. Casemiro didn't start off the grace, but then he was one of the most instrumental. He was probably the most important player for Manchester United. I'm not saying best, but the drop-off from Casemiro to like Scott McTominay, who's not even a real natural number six, 
which is why I'm kind of happy to see him. If he does go to Newcastle, I'm excited to see what Eddie Howe could do with him. He's got the like the stature of a player that could play a lot of different positions for Newcastle. Eddie Howe's done wonders with like Joe Linton, Jacob Murphy, Sean Longstaff, uh, Joe Willick. Like he's done Miguel Alm- Almiron. Like he's done wonders with those guys. He could be awesome with Newcastle. It's just not it with Manchester United. So they're gonna need to recruit a backup to Casemiro because when he's out, because inevitably he's gonna get suspended. That's big. He obviously brought in Anthony for hundred million, which has been up and down mostly. Like he's had moments, but for the most part, it's been like leaving more wanted, kind of. He's not really gonna beat anybody. You know what he's gonna do. He's gonna cut in on his left every single freaking time. He's got all the tricks in the book, but and he's not lacking confidence. He sure as hell ain't lacking confidence, but it just <laughs> it's kind of up and down from that. But Eric Ten Hag, awesome season. Uh, beat my expectations. I'm super excited to see what the future holds for them next year because this team's good. They got a few holes, obviously. I just need to figure out a striker. Got to get more central midfielders in there with Casemiro. Got to get a goalkeeper in there to part to either challenge or take the spot of David Gea. Who's more ball, more comfortable playing with his feet. You're obviously going to have to get another center back in there. A right back will be an interesting one because Dallo and the reemergence of Aaron Wampasaka could potentially subside any need for an actual right back. But who knows? Maybe like Jeremy Frimpong comes in. Maybe Ba comes in from Benfica. Maybe Urien Timber comes in. Because the problem was last year, during the summer, was that they kept being linked with all these different players, namely Frankie de Jong and Urien Timber, and they couldn't get anything over the line. Couldn't get anything over the line. It was like Christian Eriksen and Casemiro were like backup options. Okay, and now Christian Eriksen came on a free. So that was a little different. But Casemiro felt like a backup option. They tried to get Edrin Rabio who they're going to try again going for this offseason, who could be a who will come in on a free, potentially. Potentially, because they don't know what they're going to do with Marcel Sabitzer, who ended the season injured. So it was like, they didn't get Frankie DeYoung. Okay, they're going to turn their attention to Adrian Rabio. Didn't get him, and then it turned to Casemiro, which just felt like another signing of an aging player that would fill the books, but wasn't something that would build for the future. Manchester United have to get younger. That's going to have to be a thing that moves forward with them. So we'll see how that goes because they're going to clear out a lot of dead weight. Phil Jones is gone. Harry Maguire is going to leave. We already talked about Anthony Martial leaving. There's other players in there as well that could go on load, like Facundo Palestri could go on and long because that dude just needs to play. I'm excited to see what Garnacho does next season. See if he gets the number seven jersey. Be very excited. Hopefully, Jane Sancho finds a resurgence because he played well the last couple games of the season. Played well last game against Chelsea or against Fulham, sorry. So we'll see what that happens. But third place, 75 points. David De Gea winning the Golden Glove, like it was a pro- it was a fun season. FA Cup final, League Cup final, got a trophy. Now you have the potential to end Manchester City's trebles out because they're obviously in the Champions League final against Inter. They're in the FA Cup against Man United. So yeah, but I had them finishing fifth. They finished third. Chelsea sixth. If you had told me at the start of the year, so I didn't I didn't have a lot of faith with Chelsea. Obviously, I mean, you look at what happened at the se- at the start of the season. We had them finishing sixth. If you had told me to double that prediction and say they finished 12th, and look as bad as they did, I would have called you freaking crazy. Like, they were 10 points above Leicester City, who finished 18th. 10 points. 10. <laughs> they were 45 points behind Manchester City. They were more points behind Manchester City in first than they actually had points. That's impressive. That's impressive. And they brought in everybody. They brought in everybody. 
And it rarely works when you bring in a whole new squad. You see a lot of championship teams do this. When they move up to the Premier League, they just sign a shitload of players and hope they all gel together perfectly. But the problem is, that's just not going to happen. That's not going to happen. There's not enough There's not enough time in the summer to build squad cohesiveness like that. It just doesn't work. Like I remember Fulham a couple years ago signed a whole new starting eleven. Or they didn't sign them all specifically for the starting eleven, but they had a, they brought in eleven plus players in one off season. And guess what? They went straight down. Chelsea brought in a shit ton of people. Now maybe they reflect. Maybe they, you know, get rid of some of the dead wood there because they got a lot of players. They got a lot of players. They got to figure out the manager. Obviously, they got Mauricio Pochettino. We'll see how he does this year. Because one thing we know is from Mauricio Pochettino when he was at PSG was egos. He had a hard time handling Eagles. We'll see how he does it at Chelsea with all these freaking players. Like you brought in this season alone. I'm looking at the roster on Wikipedia right now. Here are the players that they brought in. So they got Benoit Badiashile, Enzo Fernandez, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Zhao Felix on loan, but the loan fee was pretty impressive. Then you brought in Mikhail Mudrick for 100 plus million. You brought in Raheem Sterling, Dennis Zachariah on loan from Juventus. Then you have Kaladu Koulibaly, who was leading with Manchester United for freaking years. Uh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Then they brought in uh, David Fofana. They brought in uh, Noni Madueke, Madueke from PSV. They brought in Mark Kukurea. They brought in West, Wesley Fofana. They brought in Gaga Solina from, you know, that's backup option, but still counts because they brought him in this summer. That's 13 players. That's 13 players. And I could be completely missing out on some of them. That's off the top of my head if they brought him in or not. I could be wrong. There could have been someone that they brought in <laughs> more than that. Like, it's crazy. Oh, no, no. Uh, uh, Cheka Womenka brought him in as well from Aston Villa. So that's 14 players right there. 14 players in one season. 14 in one season. You know how crazy that is? That is a ridiculous number of players. And obviously, not all of them are going to work out. But for the most part, you would say a lot of them did not work out. You brought in Kukurea for $60 million when you already had Ben Chilwell. Granted, he was coming off an injury. But Kukurea was ass this year. Looked really good at Brighton. Could play both left wing back and center back in a back three. Similar to that, Cesar Azpilicueta. Who's slowly aging out of the team? Well, not I should say aging out. He's aged out, but he's still making appearances in the team. And Mark Kukurea didn't absolutely nothing. Absolutely, I don't know who's going to be able to get him this summer. If Chelsea are going to want to offload him this summer, I don't know if they're going to be able to. Because Lewis Hall, who started playing left back towards the end of the season, looked better than Kukurea. And Lewis Hall was an academy product. You brought in Mudrick, didn't do any, he was their top assister, I believe, this season. But that's not saying a whole lot. That's not saying a whole lot. Mudrick finished with... Wait, 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 wait. I don't know if it was in all competitions or not. Hold on. No, okay, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, he just he finished with two assists. I thought he finished with more. They had... Uh, Zach, Hakim Ziyech and Raheem Sterling had three assists. That, those were their top options. Which isn't much better. But Mudrick brought, came in with all this hype. Because he was going to Arsenal. He was destined to go to Arsenal. Begging Mikel Arteta to bring him in. And guess what? It didn't happen. And Chelsea come in the last second 
and get him from <laughs> from Shakhtar. And he comes in this big old press conference, or not press conference, he comes in out of this tunnel to, to, to Stamford Bridge to greet the crowd, greet the fans, and Arsenal settle for Leander Tessard, who Tressard looked a thousand times better than Mudrick this season. You can see flashes of Mudrick. He's got the pace, obviously, but the end product is just not there. It's just not there. And Zhao Felix coming in on loan, you can see the talent, but it never really translated to anything. Like, Benoit Badiashile looked good at in spurts. Uh, Wesley Wofana sucked against Manchester United last week. Sucked. And this was before, like, he was coming off a broken leg and a free, uh, uh, friendly last season for Leicester City. Came into Chelsea, and I don't, I couldn't really tell you anything he's done this season apart from the game against Manchester United. Matt Oweke hasn't really done anything either. Enzo Fernandez hasn't really done anything. You can obviously see the potential with Enzo Fernandez. Because obviously, he wasn't even at, he was at Benfica for six months. He was linked with Manchester United last summer. And then obviously had an insane World Cup, won the Golden Boy Award at the World Cup. Got this massive-ass transfer to Manchester City, or to Chelsea. Was linked again to Manchester United. Like you bring in Mudrick, you bring in Fernandez for massive, massive fees. And just didn't work out. And I say didn't work out. That's putting it lightly. It Nothing worked. They have no striker. Their defense is a freaking mess. They got to figure out the goalkeeping situation. Just Keppa, who played well in spurts, who kind of took over the spot for Mendy, who just completely fell off a cliff since winning the AFCON. They're going to have to figure out the goalkeeping situation. Andre Onana has been linked with Chelsea. But Kepa, the most expensive goalie of all time, who the hell is going to take him? I It, uh, the, it was just a freaking mess. They're going to have to get rid of a lot of people. Why they brought in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. I hope Christian Pulisic gets out of there this summer. Because there's this weird relationship with the English fans and American players. Weird relationship. Very weird relationship. But man, it's a mess. I, I thought I saw some of Ruben Loftus' cheek leaving this summer. It's got so many players. So when you talk about Arsenal having lack of depth, having too many new players screws up everything. We named 14 players. They brought in this year. Todd Bowley, who's the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, got, got freaking trigger happy this season. And apparently he's going to take a little bit of a step back this summer. Good. <laughs> Good. There's no squad cohesion there. So hopefully a summer with some of these better, these new players, some of the better ones, like you would expect Enzo Fernandez to have a decent season next year. You would expect Mudrick to be better next season. But right now it was ass, and that's putting it lightly. That's putting it lightly. They had Tuchel come in, fired him. They had Graham Potter come in, got found out, fired him, brought Frank Lampard back. Ass again. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with Graham Potter. I have no idea what's going to happen with him, but that was bad. This season was awful for Chelsea. Seventh, we had West Ham. Thought they'd be a thousand times better than what they were. Now, they are in the Europa Conference League final, so they have a chance to win silverware this year, but West Ham did finish 14th. They did finish 14th. Like, with some of the players they brought in this summer, not to the extent of Chelsea where they're just bringing in a thousand players, that's not what really happened, but I thought they made some smart signings. I liked some of the signings that they made this summer. Like you look at Lucas Paqueta coming in off a world or before the World Cup for Brazil. And obviously you got Declan Rice there. You got Thomas Suchek there. 
but they just didn't have the goals. Gianluca Scamacca was brought in from Sassuolo. Didn't really do anything. Battled a lot of injuries this year. Like It just didn't really all work out this year. There was times where they were talking about firing David Moyes. And again, they're in the Europa Conference League. They're in the Europa Conference League finals. So they do have a chance to win silver, so maybe the season will look better at towards at the end. But right now, it didn't really look great, especially when you had him finishing seventh. Eighth, he had Newcastle. We thought Newcastle would be improved this year. I didn't think they'd finish in the top four. We knew they'd be improved. It was stupid to believe they wouldn't be improved. Like, this team's good, especially when they brought in Alexander Izak. That was awesome. I love Alexander Izak. Obviously, being a Swedish myself, Sweden, Swedish man myself, I love seeing Swedish players come to the Premier League, especially ones as talented as Alexander Izak. Like, the problem with him at Sweden, and kind of the problem with him for, like, not really at Real Sociedad, but more with Sweden, is that you could see the technical ability there, but you can never actually see the goal-scoring ability. Like, he never put it all together. You look at the Euros. Dude played well at the Euros. He just never was able to find the back of the net, but that's just been a problem with Sweden for years now. Like, apart from Zlatan, they haven't really had anybody score consistently, and Izak's going to be that, because Izak's insanely talented. Izak's insanely talented. The dude looked awesome this year for Newcastle. And the spurts that he played, this dude looked 20, 27 appearances in all competition with 10 goals. 10 goals in the Premier League, 22 appearances in just the Premier League. They started playing on the left wing towards the end of the season because Calvin Phil- or Calvin Phillips, Callum Wilson, balling out this year. 18 goals, 5 assists for Callum Wilson. Then you have Miguel Almiron, who we obviously, being from Iowa, I mean, being from Iowa doesn't make really matter, but being from America, watching the MLS, we know that Miguel Almiron has talent. We've seen it. Like, him and Joseph Martinez, when they were down at Atlanta United, were freaking awesome. But when since going to Newcastle... It hasn't really worked out. This is what we brought up with the Scott Ventomine example. Miguel Almiron looks awesome this season, especially early on. Finished the season with 11 goals on the right wing. Looked awesome this season. We obviously got Bruno Gamarish. He got Joel Linton we brought up earlier. Jacob Murphy played great towards the end of the season. They brought in Anthony Gordon, which, you know, didn't really do a whole lot. Battled some injuries in there as well. Uh, Fabian Schar, Sven Botman. Sven Botman was loosely linked with Manchester United few summers ago when Leo won the when Leo won League One League uh, in France. <laughs> Dan Byrne played awesome this year. Newcastle's backline was awesome. Bringing in Nick Pope was insanely smart. I think they got him for like ten million or something. Insanely cheaper player as good as as good as Nick Pope as Premier League proven as Nick Pope. This is a great season. Finishing the top four Champions League back in Newcastle. Awesome to see. Awesome to see. I had him finishing eighth. I thought that was nice for him. They finished fourth. Ninth we had Aston Villa. Uh, at the start of the season, this looked way off. With Steven Gerrard, this manager, this team looked like they were destined to get relegated. When you look at some of the players they had, like this team's too talented to be going down. Just with the squad that they had. Just with the squad alone. Especially since Emiliano Martinez was coming off some very fun, very good performances with Argentina. This even before the World Cup, obviously. Like, obviously winning the Copa America... Played well last season as well. Like, they brought in some very... Like, this team was too talented. Alex Moreno played well. They brought in Bubakar Kamara from Marseille. Obviously, Danny Ings... Or, Danny Ings. Well, Danny Ings left, went to West Ham, and then you obviously have Philippe Coutinho coming in this summer who didn't really do a whole lot this season. But they're just too talented to go down. And then they brought Unai Emery in, and this team went on a freaking tear. Ollie Watkins scored 15 goals at 6 assists this season. Like, Aston Villa looked like a legit team towards the end of the season. They ended up finishing se- uh, finishing seventh. 
right? Seventh. Yeah, we had him finishing ninth. Too talented. Way too talented. Tenth, we had Wolves. Wolves finished in, where are they at? Finished 13th. Wolves finished for 13th this season. Yeah. This is a solid team. Just a solid team. Uh, brought in Julian Lopetegui, uh, former Spain manager, obviously coming, uh, getting fired from, <laughs> from the Spanish national team right before the World Cup because they had, I don't know what they ruled it officially as collusion because he was talking to Real Madrid, but he's obviously still the, Span- the manager of Spain. So it didn't really work out. And then he got fired from Real Madrid, went to Sevilla. I believe he got fired from there or left there, but came to Wolves. You know, underperformed, I guess you could say. Jose Saw had a very down year compared to what he did last year. Very down year. Goncalo Guedes coming into the summer did absolutely nothing. They brought Diego Costa back from the dead. Now, they are potentially losing Ruben Neves this summer. They let their captain, Connor Cody, go to Everton. So Ruben Neves took over as captain. He's probably leaving the summer. Linked heavily with Barcelona. But yeah, there's not really a lot to really talk about there. David Dan Bentley played at the end of the season for, uh, for Wolves. Yeah, I don't remember what the whole reason was behind them coming in a, uh, what do you call it, coming <laughs> coming in 10th, but I mean 13th to 10th is not a big difference. Now for Brighton, we had them finishing 11th, so we talked about them finishing 6th. Under Deserby, like we, when Graham Potter was at Brighton, they were playing very nice, very good soccer. They were the complete team, the problem was they weren't scoring. But their XG was through their... They just weren't scoring. Everything was fluid. Everything was nice. It was like, oh, this guy's going to be the next great English manager. He's going to get all the top jobs. You see, the next English manager wants Gareth Southgate. They should fire Gareth Southgate and bring in Graham Potter. That is nowhere near happening now. Graham Potter left during the season, went up to Chelsea, and did absolutely nothing. And that's putting it... That's going low. He did stuff, just terrible stuff. Nothing worked. And Deserby comes in, and they're still playing really good, except this time they're actually scoring goals. They're actually scoring, which is something, again, they couldn't do while it while Graham Potter was, at, was the manager there. Like, there were stretches where they had all these nil-nil draws or 1-1 draws. Like, they were playing well defensively, but they couldn't score. <laughs> Obviously, Kukurea leaving. They got massive money for him against $60 million. They Yves Basuma, he left this summer, went to Tottenham. Lord knows what he's done this year. They just, they have so many good players. They play so well. Robert Sanchez, I believe, got benched during the season, towards the end of the season for Jason Steele. I don't know if he was benched or if he was hurt or whatever, but Brighton are awesome. And they're going to lose players again. They're going to lose players again. But given what we saw this year, it's hard to believe that they wouldn't just keep going the way they're going. Their recruitment's insane. They've always think, they're always thinking a step ahead. Like the chan- They're losing Alexis McAllister, World Cup champion Alexis McAllister, and Moises Caicedo, this summer. Both are leaving. Both are leaving. It's pretty much been confirmed at this point. But they already do smart recruitment. They're already thinking ahead. They locked up Evan Ferguson to a new contract. They're bringing in James Milner. Zhao Pedro from Watford's coming in, which is going to be awesome to see what he does down there. Like, Deserby ball was awesome. Matoma, dribbling extraordinaire, did his whole thesis in college on dribbling. You could see that this year at the Premier League. It was awesome this season. Like, everything was just really fun to watch for Brighton. Could be in an FA Cup final. Not because they lost to Manchester United, but they could be. They could have been there. But I'm really excited to see what the likes of Evan Tur- Evan Ferguson do next year. Not Evan Turner. <laughs> but sixth place, Europa League. We'll see how they... That's another big thing, though. We'll see how they manage to 
cope with the European schedule. We'll see how that affects their Premier League standing. But it, when teams like this, no offense to Brighton, again, I know their recruitment's insane. But with teams at this level that are not predominantly teams that finish in the top six, there's bound to be a drop-off to a certain extent. Because you got to learn how to juggle the squad a little bit. And Deserby, I hope he stays there this year and then gets the big drop next year. That's what I'm hoping. But the dude's awesome. Dude played. They had. They were playing some great stuff this season. Uh, 13th, we had Crystal Palace. They finished 11th. Yeah. Fired Patrick Vieira. Could have been worse if Patrick Vieira kept going. And then Roy Hodgson comes in again. Dude's damn near 80 years old. Comes in, and they start playing great again. And Brecciese, baller. Michael Lise, baller. Yeah. Baller team. Balling team. Finished 11th. I had him, thir- or had him 12th. Good stuff. Uh, 13th, Leicester. We knew there was going to be a drop-off this year. It was inevitable, inevitable there was going to be a drop-off. And we even toyed with the idea... If you can go back to that show that we did before the season started with our Premier League predictions, preseason Premier League predictions, we toyed with the idea of Everton possibly, or Everton, Leicester City possibly going down. You lose Casper Schmeichel, club, club legend and captain, you let him go to Nice, and then just, just don't replace him. Because like we talked about with, uh, with Brighton, one thing Leicester City had done well was recruit. One thing that led them to be Premier League champions was recruiting. They did not do any of that. They thought Danny Ward and Iverson would be enough in net for them this season. Their defense was nowhere near good enough. FaZe, I think he scored more own goals than... <laughs> he scored... What was it? He had one game where I think he scored two own goals or something like that. Like, it just nothing worked for them. Jamie Vardy's getting older. Legs gone. And then towards the end of the season, like... The thing that had us go 13 instead of going even lower is because you look at their squad and you look at some of the players that they have and you're like, man, this team could be freaking good. This team's got enough talent to stay up, but they're going to drop off. But there's got a lot of talent here. Like you look at players like James Madison, who made the England squad for the World Cup after a brilliant start to the season. You look at a guy like Wilfred Ndidi. You look like Yuri Tillemans, who's been linked with all the big moves, all the big clubs. Harvey Barnes, like good players. But nothing worked. It also somehow Stionku got a move to Atletico Madrid. Don't know how that worked out. Pats and Daka did absolutely nothing this year. Like, they brought in Tete, the Brazilian from Shakhtar Donetsk, but nothing worked. And now they're going down. They didn't recruit. The one thing they used to do really well, things they did better than everybody, was recruit. And this is a team that won the Premier League seven years ago. A team that won the FA Cup two years ago. And now they're going down. Like, it was crazy that last day of the season, the two teams that were battling for relegation were a team that just, again, won the Premier League and the FA Cup in the last seven years, or a team that never has been relegated in Everton. Now, are Leicester City going to bounce right back up? Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Because they're going to be stuck in a lot of really sticky contract situations this offseason. So we'll see how they negotiate through that. But, man, it sucks. That 2015-16 Leicester team was awesome. Players that you didn't expect to do anything, especially led by a manager who was not expected to do anything as well, to do what they did, plus 5,000 odds. They were plus 1,200 odds to get relegated this year. The two clubs that got relegated with them were less than, I think they were both less than plus 200 odds or something like that. Craziness. It's sad, but it's, you know... As Jamie Vardy said, that shit get banked. They got banked. Uh, 14th, we had Brentford. Brentford finished 9th. 
We'll see how they do with Ivan Tony being out next year, obviously being suspended for all the way until January. So we'll see how that goes with him. Scored 20 goals this season and four assists. Just a good team. Very good team. Yeah, did better than what I thought. Uh, 15th, we had Nottingham Forest. Now, remember what we said just a little bit ago about teams bringing in all these new players and it rarely working out? Nottingham Forest brought in a lot of players as well. Nottingham Forest brought in a lot of players. But with these kind of teams that move up to the Premier League, the teams that do well or that are likely to stay up are mostly these teams that can play with the back five because they're not going to offer a whole hell of a lot going forward. So they got to be solid-ish defensively, and that's what they were. Bringing in Kaylor Navas so after Dean Henderson got hurt, stroke a genius. Don't know how the hell they pulled that off. I understand Nottingham Forest were a team with a long, prestigious history, but getting in Kaylor Navas, even bringing Renan Lodi from Atletico Madrid, I know he's not on that level, and having uh, having a guy like Kaylor Navas who's won a few Champions Leagues in there, it's a little bit different than bringing Renan Lodi in, but still, that's crazy. <laughs> bringing in Serge Aurier in. Bringing in Willie Bowley, who's been playing, was playing really well with Wolves. They could have definitely used someone like him this year. This is a good team. Good team. Morgan Gibbs-White was awesome. Jesse Lingard did absolutely nothing this season, but Morgan Gibbs-White, awesome. Got the number 10 jersey this year. Yeah. Good team. Good good season. Good season for them. For a team that looked like they could go down, they finished 16th. We had them finishing 15th. We'll take it. 16th leads. Uh, they, got, they sucked. They were bad. The American thing that they tried to do didn't really work out. And it's not that wasn't the main issue, but that's the point that everybody's going at right now. Their American recruitment screwed over everything. Tyler Adams is a damn good player. Tyler Adams, we already knew that going in, but Tyler Adams is very good. He'll be getting a move this summer. I'm excited to see where he goes. Weston McKinney going from Juventus to Leeds made, I mean, it was cool to see Weston McKinney go to the Premier League, but other than that, it was an odd, odd move. And he just didn't work out for him in the Premier League. Brendan Aronson had spurts, but was kind of just an impact sub towards the end of his time there. Jesse Marsh got fired a little bit into the season. Just, it didn't work out. Melier, we'll see how that affects his stock this year because he got benched. I don't know. It, it, it's, it was a mess this season. That's the best we can put it. It's the best. They, that, that's the best. The very best we can do. And they finished 16th. I thought I liked some of the players they brought in. Again, being American, maybe my eyes were clouded a little bit because this team as a whole stinks. This team as a whole is very bad. I'm I'm really intrigued to see Wilfred Nato. We'll see where he goes. He played. He was one of the lone bright spots for Leeds this season. I'm intrigued to see where he goes. Seventeenth, um, we had Southampton. They finished dead last. They finished dead that dead last, and by a lot. <laughs> they finished last by six points, and somehow managed to get a three-three draw with <laughs> with Liverpool in the last day of the season. Again, just a bad team, just a bad all-around team. They have exciting players. Like, they have some good, exciting young players. Romeo Lavia is going to get a big move this summer. Timo Livermento will probably get somewhere, go somewhere this summer. Uh, Amrel Belikochup, he'll get a move. He was a part of Germany's squad in the World Cup. He'll get a move this summer. And then, obviously, James Ward-Prowse, their captain. I would be shocked if he didn't get a move somewhere. I'm not saying he'd go to a big club, but he can get a move somewhere. Manchester United were sniffing around Kyle Walker-Peters during portions last season. Like they've got decent-ish players, but their squad as a whole is just not great. Gavin Bazunu, Ireland's number one, uh, not great. Pretty bad season for Bazunu, just bad. That's the bad. Like it's just a bad team. Bad, bad team. Uh, 18th Everton, they finished 17th. Had a chance to go down, didn't. 
I didn't want Everton to go down. I like Everton. If I had a number two team in the Premier League, it'd be Everton. Like, you look at all the players they've given Manchester United, there's a good relationship there. I like the blue of Everton. I like Goodison Park. I know they're moving next year, but I like Goodison Park. But just not a great year. Couldn't figure out anything up front. Neil Mope coming in. Why that's gonna? Why you think that's going to get you goals? He's never been a natural goal scorer. Left Brighton this year to go to Everton. It... it I don't, I don't get Neil Mopay. I don't understand Neil Mopay at all. 29 total appearances, one goal. In all competitions. In all competitions. And they brought in James, Arco- James Tarkovsky. Onana, he looks to be a good player. Dwight McNeil played really well this year. Once they brought in, uh, uh, once they brought in Sean Deitch after firing Frank Lampard. Uh, Decore, he's the reason they're in the Premier League next year. He's the reason they're in the Premier League next year. But I always find it weird, like with teams like the Anthony Gordon leaving the summer the, uh, during the winter window too for fifty plus million, going to Newcastle. When you're t- a team like Everton, who have been in the Premier League, one of six teams to never be relegated from the Premier League, one of six teams, or the English top flight. It's not even just Premier League, English top flight, historical club, historic club. And you see the celebrations after the game. I it'd be a little bit sign of worry. This is back to back years as has happened. Back-to-back seasons, they have narrowly avoided relegation. I'm sure the fans are well aware of that. I don't think they're naive to that fact. But next year could be the year, especially since I would imagine Jordan Pickford would leave. I would imagine so. Like, Tottenham looked like a team that could definitely use someone like Jordan Pickford. He he could be possibly leaving. Amadou Onana, again, we brought him up earlier. He could leave. We'll see how the recruitment does this year. They got to figure out the striker position because Don, Don, Don Calvert Lewin a few years ago looked really good, looked like a potential number two to, to Harry Kane in the England squad. Nowhere near, nowhere. It can't stay healthy, can't stay healthy to save his freaking life. Uh, then we had 19 Fulham. That the only reason I had Fulham this low is because it just was in Fulham's DNA. It just felt like that. It just felt like that. Like you look at Fulham throughout their time in the past few years, they have been a yo-yo team. They go up, they go straight back down. No matter how good they are, it don't matter that at all. They always seem to go straight back down. But this year they stayed up. Recruitment was good this year. They brought in a few players, getting Kurosawa in from PSG. Don't know how they managed to pull that one off. They did. Burned Leno coming in. Nice signing, getting him from Arsenal. Bringing in William, getting Dan James over from Leeds. Dan James, I just bring him up because that's who they brought in. But William played well. Andreas Pereira played well this season. Obviously got Alexander Mitrovic, who... <laughs> Performed at his best when he played against Manchester United. But the problem was, like, you look at someone like Mitrovic. He was a big reason why, another reason why, I was kind of hesitant on Fulham. is because every single year, it's like he was kind of stuck in purgatory. Whereas, like, he's too good for the championship, but he's just not finding that consistency in the Premier League. Like, you look at his time at Fulham. Premier League 11 goals. First season of the Premier League for Fulham. Next year, 26 goals in the championship. Next year, three goals in the Premier League. Get relegated, and 43 goals in the championship. This year, he had 14. Only played in 25 games. Missed four penalties this year, so it could have been more. <laughs> David De Gea saved a penalty against him the last day of the season. So there was some hesitancy around Fulham. I hope you can understand that. I know they finished a lot higher than 19th. Obviously, they finished 10th. <laughs> played really well for Borson the season. Marco Silva had a really good squad going. But, yeah, I it was just the like the... The trend. That's what it kind of seemed like it was. It didn't matter how good they were. Like, Norwich would win the, the championship, get relegated, finish last in the Premier League. 
And the only reason I didn't have him finishing last because I thought Bournemouth would be complete ass this year. And Bournemouth were more surprised to me than freaking uh, freaking Fulham, and they finished fifteenth. Like under Scott Parker, I had thought they had zero chance to stay up in the Premier League. Scott Parker goes to Club Bruges, they bring in freaking Gary O'Neill, and they're playing awesome to their standard. Again, this is all about like leveling expectations here. The expectation for pretty much everybody preseason was that Bournemouth were finishing last in the Premier League. That was pretty much a deadlock. Like you could predict the Premier League season and you'd go, oh yeah, Bournemouth will go down. Bournemouth will go down easily. No, they did not go down. They played well for spurts. They played well spurts. Now they finished the season bad. They lost their last four games of the year. But for the most part, they looked solid. They looked solid enough. They didn't. They allowed a shit ton of goals. Didn't really score a whole lot. But they were playing night for their again for that level for a team like Bournemouth, who everybody was expecting to go down, to stay up is insane. That's as impressive as like Newcastle finishing top four. The fact that they just stayed up is insane. Insane. Gary O'Neill, hats off to him. Hats off to him. But yeah, that was our Premier League uh, predictions. We haven't had, to my knowledge anyways, there hasn't been announcement for like awards and stuff, but for, we had Golden Boot winner, we had Mohamed Salah. Salah finished with 19, obviously uh, way off the pace with Erling Haaland with 16. Didn't happen. Uh, Gold Gloves Ederson. Uh, that was obviously David De Gea who finished a few spots above everybody in that regard. That was kind of a situation where you're one of the top goalies in the league, you play for the best team. So it's like you're going to save a lot of goals. or have oper- You're not going to have as much pressure on you. But David De Gea obviously won the Golden Glove. Manager of the season we had, oh my God. Oh my God. Antonio Conte, that was way off. That's the worst prediction on here that I can see anyways. Wow. But again... People thought Tottenham would do well. You look at some of the players Tottenham brought in this summer. We brought up Yves Basuma earlier. Like, he was a player I wanted at Manchester United. He looked great for Brighton. He looked great. Ivan Perisic coming in this summer. Looked awesome. He was like the prototypical player for Antonio Conte. That's what he seemed like. Like, this is going to, he's going to be awesome. They brought in Dan Juma from Villarreal on loan. A guy who was linked with Everton, granted. But, again, a solid, solid enough player. Dejan Kulisevsky coming back this year. You have a front three of Harry Kane, Sung Hung Min, and Dejan Kulisevsky. Like, it looked like it was going to be awesome. And it just wasn't. It just wasn't. And again, like we said before, if Harry Kane had scored 30 goals, who the hell knows where this team would be? But Antonio Conte manager of the season is insane. Absolutely insane. Player of the season, Mohamed Salah. Again, it's going to be... I would love to give respects to Harry Kane. Martin Odegaard as well. Uh, Bruno Fernandes played well, amazing this year for Manchester United. Lissandra Martinez, just talk about Manchester United players a little bit. But it's going to be Erling Holland, 36 goals. 94 goals for City this year. 38% of their goals. Harry Kane scored 43% of Tottenham's goals. But Mohamed Salah, he's, it's Mohamed Salah. I thought he'd be better than that. I thought Liverpool would be better than this. Uh, young player of the season, Erling Holland. I mean, he's going to win that. <laughs> it would be crazy for him not to win it. He's the best player in the Premier League this season. Put himself on note. If they win the treble... It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a really hard vote for the Ballon d'Or because if they win the treble, God forbid, so let's hope Inter Milan show up in the Champions League final. Let's hope Manchester United show up in the FA Cup final. So Manchester United are the only English club to do that, win the treble. Manchester City just finished with their second three-peat, or their first three-peat. Manchester United again did that twice. First three-peat for Premier League titles. Berling Holland's going to be a young player. He's going to be a young player this season. He's going to be a player of the season. He's, gonna be gold. He's already a golden boot winner. Uh, but my team of the season, we had Ederson. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, 
Didn't happen. He started playing well towards the end of the season. He got put more in an inverted role. But he was getting found out defensively like every freaking game. Every game he was getting found out defensively. That was his big issue. Obviously, great going forward. Not necessarily this season, but traditionally. Uh, Ruben Diaz, Virgil van Dijk as center backs. Ruben Diaz, yeah. But Virgil van Dijk, down for his standard. Again, it's all about expectations. And for what Virgil van Dijk was this season, it's not to his normal standard. Uh, Jao Cancelo at left back. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Got loaned out to Bayern Munich this season. He's going to win. He won two league titles this year. He performed enough games for Manchester City to get a title. And obviously played with Bayern Munich. So got a title there. So he's got two winner's medals this season. Two. Two winner's medals for Jao Cancelo. That is impressive. But got fell out with Pep. Got the number seven jersey for Manchester City with Raheem Sterling going to Chelsea. Just no. Nowhere close. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Rodri. I mean, makes sense. It's Rodri. Bernardo Silva. Again. One of the best midfield threes. Like, and again, City played a lot of different formations this season. A lot of different formations this season. Ilkay Gundogan played well this year. He was their captain. But, yeah. Casemiro obviously was the best DM of the season in the Premier League. Bruno, Kevin De Bruyne led the league in assists this season. So, yeah. Had 16 assists. And Mohamed Salah did get 12 assists as well. I forgot to mention that. So, it's not terrible of a shout. And then we had in the team of the season up front, Mohamed Salah. I think he'd have a shout there. But obviously, I think Bukayo Saka would get that above him just because of how good Arsenal were this season. And then Harry Kane, 30 goals. If it weren't for Holland, he'd definitely be in here. It depends on how you want to put the team of the season in here. Because it'd be a shame to have not have Harry Kane on there. And then Sung Hung Min didn't do a lot. He's nowhere near that. So, yeah, that's what we've got for you for our Premier League predictions. That's what it looked like. Uh, some better than others. Uh, you can go back and listen to that show if you really want to. <laughs> about what we thought would happen and what ended up happening, what obviously didn't happen. God, it's it's not fun doing predictions. It's fun, but not fun at the exact same time. But the team of the season, like manager of the season, that's a freaking mess. Good freaking Lord. Tottenham finishing third. Chelsea finishing sixth are the two worst predictions we had. Uh, we had Arsenal improving. We had him finishing fourth. That was up from the season prior. Man United finished in sixth the finish before, season before. They had him finishing fifth. But yeah, Tottenham sucked. Tottenham were awful. I mean, top four, I mean, top five, we got four of the five teams in the top five. Just move <laughs> Liverpool and Tottenham down, move Arsenal, Man United up, and we're good. So we're close. We're close enough. We're close enough. Uh, Brighton dropping. Again, that was losing like guys like Kukurela, losing guys like Yves Basuma, like players you thought were actually really good and just turned out to just not be that good this season. Neither one of them did anything. I don't know how many games Basuma actually played for Tottenham. I, I do have no idea how many games he played for. I, I feel like I never saw him in the starting 11. How many games did he play? Wasuma played 10 games this season. Started 10 games. 13 appearances came off the bench. Man. How many minutes did he play? He scored... He had less minutes played than... Oh, I'm looking at... Uh, less than Pedro Porro, who came in in January. That's impressive. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> He played, he played what? He played eight more games than Pedro Porro. Appeared in eight more games than Pedro Porro. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> he, I, man. Uh, I'm glad Aston Villa turned it around, though. I like Aston Villa. Stu, I went to high school with. He's a big Aston Villa fan, and they were really bad when Stu was here in Iowa. So I, I, I like seeing them do better, doing good. Uh, Lesser City. Yeah. Not a lot you can say about that. I, at least we were somewhat close. <laughs> no, we were because Fulham finished 10th. We had him 19th. Uh, 
But yeah, that was the Premier League predictions. Fun season. Really fun season. Long season. Long-ass season. Because you look at the fact we had the World Cup in, the, in November, December. It was just a long season. Uh, really long. Dragged on. Dragged on forever. And we have seasons wrapping up. Again, we got the FA Cup. We got the, the Champions League final. So we'll see how those go. We got the FA Cup this weekend. Champions League final next weekend. But we have the NBA and NHL finals figured out as well. We have the Boston Celtics, Miami Heat. Heat putting away the Celtics relative ease last night. After the Celtics forced the game seven after being down 3 nothing, the Heat just blew them out. Just beat them. Fairly simple. Fairly easy game. Uh, Jimmy Butler was named the Western Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Don't necessarily agree with that. I think that's I mean, he's the best player. He, he is the best player on the Miami Heat. Regardless if he played the best, he is the best player on the Heat. Do I think he should have got it? No. I thought Caleb Martin would get it. But I underst- again, I understand why Jimmy got it. But yeah, relatively really easy game last night for the, the Miami Heat. Relatively easy game. And then we had the da- the Vegas Golden Knights beating the Dallas Stars. So we've got the Knights and Panthers in the Stanley Cup Final. And we've got the Heat and the Nuggets. Heat and Nuggets and the Panthers and Golden Knights. And obviously, two South Florida teams. And the two teams, two of the teams that are in the finals are coming off sweeps. Coming off sweeps. One team is coming off a seven-game series. The other team is coming off a six-game series. We have the Panthers and the Nuggets coming off sweeps. And we have the Knights coming off a six-game series. And we have the Heat coming off a seven-game series. So it's... It's going to be testing. It's going to be testing to see how these teams rally in that. Because you like the idea of a team resting, but that's a long time to rest. The last time the Denver Nuggets played a game of basketball, when was this game against the Lakers? When was this? was May 22nd. Now, it's May 30th. The finals don't start until, I believe, June 1st. Yeah, June 1st when the finals start. So two days. That's a long time. That's a long time to be sitting out, especially since the Miami Heat just got done playing. Now, they can be tired out. It's a long, grueling series with the Boston Celtics. Again, they thought they were going to breeze through it. We had a chance to have four sweeps in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs, but it didn't end up happening. So we'll see how that affects each team. We're talking about two complete polar opposites here. Because you remember back in the 90s with the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Broncos sat their starters the last week of the regular season and missed or didn't miss, but had a first-round bye. Jacksonville Jaguars came in, big underdogs, ended up beating them because their stars were consistently playing. The Broncos were rusty. They hadn't played. So the tiredness and the amount of games they played could affect them, but also not playing could affect the Denver Nuggets as well. So we'll see how the same goes for the Carolina Hur- or the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, right. Same goes for the Florida Panthers as well. We're obviously cheering for the Panthers. We're obviously cheering for the Panthers. Their, game, their season starts till Monday. So they got all the way to June 5th. We got June 1st, the NBA Finals, June 5th for the Stanley Cup Finals. So excited to see how those turn out. Very excited to see how those turn out. And we're talking about the end of the season. We got to go to the start of the season as well. We are 100 days away from the start of the 2023 NFL season. Very exciting stuff. We are 87 days away from college football. There's a timer that is on CFBSelect.com. How many days till college football season? 87 days, 19 hours, 18 minutes, and... 18 seconds. We're almost there, ladies and gentlemen. We are almost there. I th- What was it? It was the other day. was like we were 10 weeks away from the draft, and we're 10 weeks away, like right in the middle of the offseason. This is the middle portion of it. So we're on the last half. We're on the last stretch. We're, we're almost there. We're heading towards that direction. You just got to be a little patient. 
Got to be a little patient. But 100 days, 87 days, fun stuff. You got the season setting for basketball and hockey. You got baseball in the midst of it. We got the Chicago Cubs who are current. Well, they were. I guess I should check the standings right now. Hold on. Drum roll, please. No, not anymore. Well, they've got the least amount of wins. Joint least amount of wins. They're not the worst team in the, the, <laughs> the National League anymore. They were the other day. But now they just have this joint least amount of wins. So congratulations on the Cubs on that for not being the worst team in the National League anymore. That goes to the Arizona, the Arizona St. Louis Cardinals, who have the worst win or se second worst, second worst. I guess the Washington Nationals have <laughs> the worst win percentage, but the Cubs, yeah, they're not really living up to the expectations I had placed on. Especially, but the thing is though, that being said, though they're not you know challenging for a playoff spot right now, they are only five games back. Like, that's not a massive hill to climb here. And it's the Brewers. Like, they're not playing great baseball right now. The Cubs have a better run differential than the three teams above them in the Central. So, I really have... Do I, do I think they're going to challenge for a playoff spot at this point? I'm not overtly confident. But I don't want to rule out the possibility entirely. But, yeah. Fun sports. We covered all the major sports. We covered soccer. We got football in there. College and NFL. We got hockey. We got basketball. And now we got baseball. We got the big five sports. And there we have uh, Joseph Newgarden win the Indy 500, so we got that in there as well. Anything else? Um, I think we're pretty much good. I think that's all I've really got to talk about today. Heisman odds, I saw this the other day. Heisman odds, uh, Caleb Williams opens the season as a plus 500 favorite. The next closest, according to this site, according to this site, it's not going to be the same for everybody, I would imagine, but the top 10, according to this, are Caleb Williams, obviously, Number two, Jordan Travis. And again, we've, ta we've talked about Jordan Travis. Uh, Jordan Travis's offense this year for Florida State should be awesome. Florida State had a very solid season last year. Last year, They're going to try and build on it this year. We'll see how that does this year. But second in the Heisman odds, Michael Penix is their joint second, along with Bo Nix. So we got three people tied for second. Then we got Drake May from North Carolina, who is widely considered to be the number two quarterback prospect in next year's draft behind Caleb Williams, is a plus 1,500. It was Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, transfer from Wake Forest, and Jane Daniels at LSU, both all of them plus fifteen hundred. Then we've got Quinn Ewers, Carson Beck from Georgia, and Kyle McCord at plus two thousand, rounding out the top ten. We got Cade Klubnick at plus twenty five hundred. We got Joe Milton, Drew Allar at Penn State. We got JJ McCarthy at plus three thousand with Marvin Harrison. There's our first non quarterback there. And then followed right after that, we got Blake Corum. And then Dylan Gabriel, Ty, Ty Simpson from Alabama. So they're predicting Ty Simpson be the starting quarterback at Bama, above Buckner and above Jalen Milrow. See how that goes. And Buckner's right there with him at plus 5,000. But they do have Ty Simpson above him. They got Travion Henderson, another running back in there. We got Spencer Rattler, Nick Singleton at Penn State, Cameron Rising from Utah, uh, Quinchon Judkis, sorry, from Ole Miss on there. We got Will Shipley from Clemson, the running back. They got KJ Jefferson, Jeff Sims at Nebraska, Brock Vandergriff at Georgia. So you got Carson Brock, Carson Beck, and Vandergriff on there. We got Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, Devin Brown. We got Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, another Ohio State guy on there. Then we've got we're gonna go. I want I want to keep doing this. We got Connor Wigman from AM. We got Dante Moore. We got Arch Manning in there. Arch Manning. We got Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning on there. We get there's Jalen Miller, DJ Uyagalele. We got Devin Leary, obviously transferring from NC State, going to Kentucky. We got Donovan Edwards, the other running back from Michigan. We got Jalen Daniels from Kansas, Jackson Dart, followed by Tyler Show at Texas Tech. And then uh, where's the other one? 
There's one other person I want to talk about. Why did, did I not get it? I didn't screenshot it. Well, either way, <laughs> the boy, I was hoping I had all that screenshotted. I guess I don't. I, I'm not going to try and find it. But either way, Kate McNamara, plus 20,000 to win the Heisman. Hammer that. Hammer that. We got new Iowa offense in. New Kirk 3.0 is in. New Brian 1.0 is in. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Do I got anything else in my screenshots that I want to mention here? Ivan Tony's been removed from FIFA. Oh, uh, Herm Edwards said Deshaun Watson is better than Joe Burrow. If I'm starting a franchise right now, there's no doubt in my mind I'm starting with Deshaun Watson over Joe Burrow. I don't care about the six damn games. Cool. Cool. Three years ago, yeah, I would agree with you. Not right now. And then we have Keyshawn Johnson, the same guy that put Derek Carr in top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Said Dak Prescott is better than Joe Burrow. But the fact of the matter is Joe Burrow, higher pass rating, more yards per attempt, more yards per game, more touchdowns per game, more double-digit playoff wins, higher playoff per completion percentage, higher playoff pass rating, more pass yards, single playoff, single, more yards per attempt in the playoffs. Joe Burrow also has a better completion percentage, but I don't, I don't really want to bring up completion percentage. But he also has less turnovers as well, which I think is also important. <laughs> Dak Prescott played 12 games last year, led league in picks. That's impressive. Yeah, Joe Burrow is not worse than Dak Prescott in any stretch of the imagination. It's not even close. And then I saw this as well. What combo are you taking? It was a Niners page. Uh, it's Bill Walsh and Brock Purdy, Jim Harbaugh, and Steve Young. And Kyle Shanahan, Joe Montana. Uh, you're taking C. You're stupid if you're taking anything else. Joe Montana is the second greatest quarterback of all time. And you got Kyle Shanahan, who's a very good offensive coach. So, yeah, you're stupid if you're taking anything else. But I saw a lot of people go like, it's A or C, but it's really hard. Like, you're going to doubt Steve Young as well. Steve Young is a thousand times <laughs> better than Brock Purdy. Let's calm down here. I know we're all on the hot Brock Purdy train right now, but come on. And I understand Bill Walsh is there. But Steve Young, Hall of Fame quarterback right there. If you wanted to make this a little bit more, like, tough, you would have put Montana with Harbaugh and Young with uh, Shanahan. That's what you would have done. But I I think Montana and Shanahan run that. And that's fairly easy. Do I have anything else? Oh, the Big 12. I forgot the Big 12 conference this year. I forgot <laughs> what the Big 12 looked like. I saw this on Twitter. The Big 12 Conference, for those of you who don't remember, is Baylor, BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. What the hell is this conference? BYU and UCF, Provo, Utah, and Orlando? What the hell is that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. It just makes it fun. So I'm going to end it there. I'm going to end it there. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. Hope my predictions for next year's season are better than this year's. So yeah, hopefully no, no howlers like Antonio Conte when he managed the year. He was ass, as Tottenham were. So yeah, <laughs> hope you enjoyed. If not, I sincerely apologize. Make sure again to follow Logan Blavich on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Facebook, I, I said that, but go to LoganBlavichShow.com. Check out blog posts, videos, all that stuff as well. Then make sure, of course, you're following the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. I've been Logan Blackman. I will see you later. Peace.